Welcome back to Insurance Happy Hour. This is Laird. And I'm Becky. Hey, Becky. We're here uh, first day of November, uh, recording yet another episode two weeks in a row. Woohoo! Yeah, we're, we're rocking it out. Not Andre. slackers. Hashtag yes, not slackers. So I did have a question about uh, the fact that uh, yesterday was, of course... Halloween. Halloween. And uh, you, you have kids. I do. And so my question is, what are your thoughts about moving Halloween to a weekend? Like, have it be the last weekend of a month, the like last, the last Friday, Saturday of Friday, yeah, whatever it is. Because, you know, it's kind of a pain in the butt when some kid is knocking on your door at like, you know, nine o'clock at night and, you know, you've turned off the light or whatever, but you still have a, a, a lamp going in the, in the yard or something. And they, they're knocking on your door, but also you got to walk kids around on a weeknight and then they got to go to school and then they're all lamped up on candy and, you know, goofballs and you're having to stay up late and sort candy to make sure that it doesn't have any needles in it. I guess that doesn't really happen these days anymore. <laughs> Did it ever really? I think I heard that that was a myth. Oh, no. It was, it was an absolute myth. I would actually not trust the fruit. Like, I would rather say, like, hard candy. That, that was because you really couldn't mess with that. Right. But, like, you know, you can inject something in fruit and no one would know. Yeah. So I would throw the fruit away for obvious reasons. Who's giving you fruit? People gave fruit back in, in my days. You know, they, <laughs> back in my days, they gave me pop, popcorn balls and, and fruit. You would have liked it in, in my neighborhood. <clears throat> There was one person who panned out caramel apples. Mm. And I know you like covered apples, but I don't know if it's candied or caramel. Caramel. All right. Is it caramel or caramel? Caramel. <laughs> it's not caramel. <laughs> caramel. Uh, caramel is, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so what are your thoughts on moving Halloween? I mean, I would be fine with it. With your Harry Potter uh, drinky cup. Okay. I'm confused as to why you're commenting on that. I've literally had that for years. Um, Halloween, Harry Potter, you know. Harry Potter takes course over the whole year, not just Halloween. I know, but they always released it around Halloween, didn't they? Oh, I know nothing. (laughs) It's true. You know nothing, Laird Rixford. Uh, um, No, I'd be fine with it. I mean, it would be, you know, change and who likes change and blah, 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 blah. But I I don't. Could you imagine some people that really don't like change that would be like, I'm not going to celebrate Halloween anymore because it's not on the 31st. Yeah. Well, it's so um, Fort Worth, the city of Fort Worth does this parade of lights every Mm -hmm. year. And it was one of my favorite Thanksgiving traditions. It was held the day after Thanksgiving through downtown Fort Worth. Um, And I, you know, I, I don't do Black Friday shopping. So that was the thing I did the day after Thanksgiving. Well, a few years ago, they decided to move it to the Sunday before Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. which I was like, I was disappointed because I live far enough away that it's a little bit of a hassle to get over there for something that happens on a Sunday night. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, still have work and school the next day. So I understood their reasoning for it. They thought more people would be able to come. Uh, you're not competing with Black Friday shopping. You're not doing any of that. Uh, people haven't really traveled for the Thanksgiving holiday yet. I, I, I get all of it, but I just can't go anymore. Yeah, and it's not that I'm boycotting it necessarily because you know, I mean, the parade ends with Santa Claus, right? So it's like the start of Christmas and doing it before Thanksgiving. Some people have a real issue with that. I didn't really care. It's just the logistics. Does part it of still it. end with Santa Claus? I mean, I haven't been since they moved it to the Sunday uh, before I was Thanksgiving. Gonna, I was <laughs> 
You, you got to change it to uh, Jack from uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas. No, that's yeah. Halloween. I know, but but I'm saying that Jack from Nightmare Before Christmas would be the better better and yeah yeah would be the better parlay from going from Halloween into yeah Christmas. But I mean that was. I don't go, but it's not because I boycotting the fact that they're doing it before Thanksgiving as much as it's logistical for what, me. What's your favorite uh, Halloween candy? Reese's peanut butter cups. Okay, that's your favorite candy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, Halloween specific candy. Uh, do you like what candy is there cor- besides candy corn? Oh well, you're right. <laughs> um, but no, uh, candied apples. I mean, that, that's kind of a, a thing, and. Popcorn balls. You never got popcorn balls? I mean, no. Oh, they're. I know what they are, but no. Mm. Okay. Uh, pumpkin pie? No. Yeah, uh, pumpkin pie is horrible. Pumpkin pie spice. Are you a PSP or? Depends on what we're talking about. Pumpkin spice. Uh, okay, in from Starbucks. I, I do like PSL once or twice a fall. Mm-hmm. I'm not a. Every day during as soon as it becomes available, person. What is that now? August. Yeah, I think it's starting <laughs> August. But usually, when when the temperature cools it down enough here in Texas, uh, I will. So I'll get one. Last week, maybe two. Yes, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> I'll get one, maybe two, uh, until the red cups come out, and then I completely switch. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. So, you you teased last week um, a situation that we were going to talk about. Oh yeah, <clears throat> it was kind of. I just I just wanted to talk about it. it. It it's another one of my Elizabeth Holmesian thing that I like. I, I like watching sip, sitting back. I was saying last week, sitting back, drinking, sipping my tequila, watching them burn. Yeah, because <clears throat> did you watch that documentary? By the way. I watched both of them. Uh, was there another one? Uh, yeah, there was two. And I also watched the Firefest documentary, the, oh. the two of those. I really, really watch it, like it whenever you see people that are super duper idealistic that don't have any business sense. Like yeah. I, I enjoy watching those those tumble. So definitely the Elizabeth Holmes, the Firefest. I mean – you know, I'm sitting there going, okay, I could have probably saved this at this point and this point and this point. And at this point, I'd be like, no, 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 no. You know, like call the, call the dogs, you know, go ahead. And, and if he had just like on the fire fest, if he had just said, listen, it fell apart. The money's gone, you, you know, um, and he had done it early, he probably would not have faced a fraud charge. Yeah. But there you go. But, you know, whenever you hear in – I think that as a, as a business person, I'm very pragmatic. Mm. I don't spend a lot of money. I share hotel rooms with employees when able <laughs> to save costs. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's, let's clarify that. Well, Justin, Scott, you know, people that I, I, I get along with. It's not like, you know, you know yeah, no. Let's clarify that. Okay. <laughs> I'm good now. Thanks. Um, but you, you've got um, – you know, I, I – control costs we have big hard rules about when you can uh, you know you have to book flights early all these types of things but we're not throwing grand parties and whenever you're seeing that this guy's talking about how he's going to be the first trillionaire for effectively what regis has been doing rgus has been doing forever and regis almost fell apart in their their executive office suites mm-hmm. they're just not trendy 
executive office suites and they were sitting back going this is not sustainable we've already been down this path we've you know we've proved that this one's going to fail boom and the guys in the end's like yeah told you but you know the audacity the one that got me was the audacity of laying off staff and then throwing a party with run dmc effectively right passing out tequila shots celebrating that that's the 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 optics of that are horrible and anybody that would have seen it so i started to look into their ipo prospectus this looked like a you know banana republic um um catalog yeah pretty people to talking about this no substance and then you start looking at their financials and they're flat out making up stuff and I have a real How do people get away with that. I don't understand. It's what they one of the things that they were a flat out getting away that they were trying to get away with is that, well, as we're investing in that, you know, we should ad- adjust our investments out of our EBITDA margin because those are going to pay off in the in the future. And it's they were trying to, like, capitalize their operating expenses going forward in, you know, all these build outs. I'm like, you can't do that. And they, they created like two or three different tiers of new accounting and people look at this and going, are you serious? Mm. And it was delusional. And if you see, um, <clears throat> Newman's or whatever, how you say his last name, his, um, he was delusional yeah. about how this was. And that's where I go. We were talking last week about the insurtechs that come in very idealistic that they're going to do this and they get funneled hundreds of millions of dollars. And I go to their office space and it's a class A office space that looks really slick and cool. Everybody's trendy. They they're, have the beer cart going around. They have free food every single day. And I'm looking at it and I'm going, why? Right. If you really want to do it right, you go get a office space. You have someone who's involved with hiring. You have product managers and business analysts that are every single day looking at the problem, the product, and how to, how to solve the problem with the product and moving the ball forward. Right. And, you know, I see in Insure Tech Connect people with massive suites at the top, you know, where they're invited. And I'm talking, you know, we, we had a suite, but it was, it, we bought it early, so it was, it was six hundred bucks a night or something. Yeah, which is for three nights eighteen hundred dollars for a massive suite in Vegas that you can entertain in. The booths at InsureTech Connect were twelve grand. Yep. So I mean, it was a better, better thing. But these are you know full on you know top of the entire hotel suites mm-hmm. that are you know presidential suites that are like fifteen rooms and all that just to show off. And I'm like, how is this affecting anything? Have a conversation down at the Starbucks is just as effective. Sometimes more. Correct. Because you're not spending all the money. And, you know, I'm a pilot. You know, I use. Are you every, a pilot? I use every. It's oppor- like CrossFit with you. Yes, it is. I was going to say, I use every opportunity. Like, I love the whole, you know, how someone's a vegan? They tell you. How I know someone's in CrossFit? They tell you. And within the first four or five minutes, a pilot's going to tell you. Okay, somebody needs to, like, create an uh, insurance happy hour bingo card and put. Larry mentioned that he likes to fly mm-hmm. as one of the no, spaces. No, let's not do a bingo card. Let's do a drinking game. Okay, there let's, you go. let's come up with all the topics and, and all of that. I'm a drink drink for every time Larry mentions he likes to fly. (laughs) 
You will be drunk by the halfway mark. Yep. So, yeah, the um, but the, you know, so I do like to fly, and I would love to have a corporate plane. Hell no, there is no justification for me to have a corporate plane. No, none whatsoever. And the there they were saying, well, you know, we have all these local branches, or you know, we have all the different offices we need to fly. And what he would do is he would fly to them, throw a party there, and leave. He wasn't. They didn't have any operations type stuff. That's where you have zone managers that are managing, you know, certain regions. That's where you have a manager in each office that's effectively a property manager that's handling it. Yep. And it was an excuse to get a multi-million, million, million dollar jet, go places all over the place. And if you, in, I, I firmly believe, like I think that we we've talked about this on on the episode is that you know I like to go out and have fun. Right. Mm-hmm. But as you go higher up in the ranks you, and you're no longer just, you know, part of the cogs, yep. you're kind of a little bit of the engine of how it goes. You have to present yourself a lot differently. Yeah. And you, you can't think about things. Correct. You can't be going out and getting hammered. You can't be sitting there like, you know, partying in front of employees or prospective customers and having people talk about you. You just can't do that. Or and having somebody take video of you. Yeah, that's that's another one. You can't, you know, just you have to understand that, you know, what you're doing in public. And if someone whips out a video camera and starts recording, you you got to know, hey, you know, and so you never know when someone's recording. Right. So you have to present yourself all the time. And the fact that this guy is sitting there openly smoking, you know, weed and all that, I don't care if it's legal. I really don't. But it's the perception because you got a whole bunch of stodgy bankers and all that. They're like, I'm not going to give my money to no pothead, mm-hmm. you know, all that type of stuff. This guy was just setting himself up. He, I mean, he was like, I'm going to be the first trillionaire. My kids, grandkids are going to run this company and talk about the ideals that I set forth. And the ideals that this guy set forth was flat out, just blow investor money to have a party. Right. And I am so happy to see them burn. And I'm actually happy to see the investors that have done that because I have talked to a lot of investors mm-hmm. inside and outside of our business. And the ones that I like are the ones that like the first question out of the mouth, show me your piano, show me your, your, your balance sheet. Talk to me about your growth opportunities, your struggles, all of that, and going out that. The fact that he walks in and, you know, with bad numbers and people feel enlightened whenever they leave, he's a con artist. Yeah. And that's exactly what Elizabeth Holmes was. It's exactly what Firefest is. They were frauds. Is that a office sharing building or office sharing company like WeWork is not a technology company. It doesn't get technology evaluations. There's a very high cost of revenue for them to run those businesses. They have to pay rent. Rent is one of the highest cost items for a company after employees. Right. Damn employees. So but, um, you can't run a company without employees. No, that, that's, I, I mean, I, I, I mean, you, I mean you, and, and you, your employees better be your most important and the, most cost, highest cost on your sheet. They, they, they're your most important asset. Yes, correct. But um, so yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying this. I'm, I'm, I'm just tickled pink. <laughs> I'm just letting you sit and run. Yeah. So uh, bust out the tequila because it's time to watch it. Yeah. He was like, I only drink Don Julio 
1942 or whatever that is. Yeah. I look forward to the documentaries about that one, I'm sure. I, it, it will be there. And yeah. then, but, you know, like looking at SoftBank, they were looking, f- uh, they effectively valued the business at $41 billion for their IPO, and now it's less than $8 billion. Mm. That's that's a tumble, and that was from September first to now November first, effectively. Wow. All right. So uh, that, but but why I brought that up last week is that the insure techs that are sit there and talk about, hey, I have you know I got Series A, B, C, and D, and you know we're we're going out of stealth mode. <laughs> um, you know I, I'm just you know very wary. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, what do you got this week? So more JD Power. Wow, they are all over the place. I know, but I I love the stuff that they put out. So this one's about auto insurance customer loyalty, about it declining. So they started measuring, um, you know, the number of insurance comp- uh, consumers who are at risk, basically in you know, the ones who are most likely to switch, um, twenty years ago, and it's now the highest it's ever been. So the rate of auto insurance loyalty um, has fallen to 48% today. And in 2004, it's 59%. That's a 27% drop in loyalty. I absolutely consumers. believe that 100%. So what do, you, what do you think has contributed to this? First of all, um, really, it's become a commodity. Mm-hmm. Auto insurance has become a commodity in the minds of the consumers. Agents and brokers and carriers can argue it is or it is not. In the consumers, it's a commodity. They yep. can switch, and it's becoming more so. And that number is the proof of that, is mm-hmm. that they can switch at any time. Right. Yep, that's one of it, right? So the fact that getting a, a auto insurance quote could take days mm-hmm. and was – you know, a lot of effort to do. Now it can be completed in minutes. Correct. Right. You know, um, who's it? Progressives. That's 15 minutes or less. Um, somebody says seven minutes, I think. Well, Geico is 15 minutes or less. Can oh, save you 15%. Is, and then you've got, uh, insurance that was seven and a half minutes where they're like, we can do it half as fast. Right. Right. But the, the point is, is you didn't turn off your phone. I thought I did. I'm a little little hurt. I know. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm actually upset with myself too. <laughs> but the so the fact that getting a quote now is much easier to do, and you can do it from home in your pajamas. You know, you don't have to go to an agent uh, to their office during office hours to get that. Um, talking to the commodity side of it, like that comes from all the advertising that is done. You know, it's price, 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 price. Right. How much money was spent in insurance advertising last year? Do you know? Um, last time I looked at it, it was over $2 billion or something like Six. that. Six. $6 billion. $6 billion. With a B. With a B in advertising uh, for to get people to shop and switch their auto insurance. So why why are we surprised that consumers view it as a commodity? Yeah, I, the, the argument that insurance, auto insurance at least, is, is not a commodity has thrown out the window. And I've seen lots of people continue to defend it that it's not. And I've seen more and more people, in fact, I think Ryan Hanley had something on his coming out party on the insurance industry, is that uh, that it is not a commodity. Yeah. But so another factor that JD Power mentions is that the cost of auto insurance has gone up. Congratulations. Good yeah. job. Um, 
but the cost of auto insurance has risen at twice the rate of median household income across the U.S. over the past decade. Yeah. So not only are we taking it's taking more money out of our wallets, it's have that affects our loyalty. Yeah, uh, and, and if they're going to come to you for a dollar, they're going to leave you for a dollar, and that's that's and and everybody's pr- playing that price game, you know. In the education of why those prices have gone up mm-hmm. is not out there. You never see cars are cars are getting more expensive, more complicated to do. They that that conversation never happens. Right, it's just price, price, price. But as price keeps going up, people are shopping because they want to get out of those price points. Exactly. Um. So they say the broader significance of this trend is that the decline in brand loyalty is disproportionately benefiting carriers that are best positioned to capitalize on increased in-market movement, or more specifically, those who have optimized their cost of acquisition. So, I mean, this makes sense. I didn't realize this. But over the past decade, carriers with a lower cost of acquisition have grown at four times the rate of higher cost carriers. And what are they? That's almost like okay, yes. If if it's cheaper to get a new customer, then you get more customers, and then you know right. you get in there. But is they are they correlating that also with ad spend versus? I mean, how are they coming to that number? It doesn't really say how they got to that number, but it says these carriers have been able to reallocate expenses such as commissions back into the brand in the form of advertising, which in turn creates more shopping churn and lower brand loyalty. So it's a it's a cycle that's just perpetuating. Okay, but they they said commissions and they right. they they forego commissions and they lower commissions and they do that. In see, I, I think that that's a long term failure that mm. really carriers are, are having a problem with. And you see it in you know we've talked about before Allstate nationwide. Everybody's kind of like they've tried the direct you know the captive agent route. And mm-hmm. I even think that long-term State Farm will go away from captive agents, which right now, state being a State Farm agent is almost like having a, a taxi medallion in, in Chicago and New York. It was very high price to get in. right? And I think it, it will um, go down. But um, back to the acquisition cost, I think that they're, it's, it's short-sighted because agencies – and brokers, they actually provide a longer term value because they prevent that churn. Mm-hmm. So they're not there. I, I don't think that they're taking into account that yes, there was a time where all these, all this advertising was happening. And so agents were losing, they were losing market share and all that. But if you look at the latest trends, they did lose market share, but right now they're remaining flat. Well, the flat with actually a little bit of growth where who's really losing are the captives. Right. The the pure captives, those are the ones that are losing. Everybody else is gaining even slightly. And but that's a very short sighted view because agencies they have the ability to retain that client long term. And they own that client. And whenever you have insurance with this carrier, yes, that agency can switch you from carrier A to carrier B. But that allows them to keep it in the ecosystem because if you switch if you're a direct carrier and someone switches from you to someone else, and it's no longer in your ecosystem, you might have lost it forever. Right. Right. But so they're saying that this um, – what the the lower cost carriers have done is force the hand of other carriers to either follow their lead and have a race to the bottom or to try to find ways to justify the higher costs, such as superior customer service delivery. But these tactics are not effective. Nope. So 
he says, consider the net promoter score, which many carriers have deployed to tie compensation and bonuses to try to improve these scores and move consumers from detractors to promoters. Those of you who don't know, net promoter score is a, a metric businesses use to determine customer satisfaction. It's a percentage, your percentage of detractors subtracted from your percentage of promoters based off one survey question that you ask on a scale of zero to 10. How likely are you to recommend our product to someone else? Yes. Um, so they think that, that moving these consumers from detractors to promoters are going to pr- mean they're being, they're more satisfied. They're going to stay more loyal, but and they have, I think, seen improved NPS scores, but they have not achieved higher levels of loyalty. Yeah, there, there's ways that you can manufacture higher NPS scores. Right. And, you know, let's – okay, it's kind of like a, a product service organization. Let's send out the NPS score survey – Five minutes after the product survey, you know, the, the product has been resolved, the issue has been resolved, quote unquote, not 24 hours, not 48 hours afterwards, right. where you have a little bit, well, actually, they didn't fix the problem. It's still happening. There's ways to manufacture that. So I can see while you might improve your NPS, really, in the end, it, it truly comes down to churn and loyalty defines churn. Right. Right. So, you know, it's, it's definitely loyalty is more nuanced than just an NPS metric. Correct. Um, also, it says evidence suggests that carriers have inadvertently accelerated consumer shopping behaviors. How so? So the, their example, the recent push by auto insurers to better customize their coverages through tools such as UBI. So in theory, personalized pricing would lead to greater transparency and therefore greater control for consumers to affect their rates. But instead, a disconnect between personal rate factors and market factors of which consumers have no control is emerging. I love that. This article is fantastic. I didn't see this article. I love that because that's spot on. Yeah. Is that, okay, you know, hey, we can put this dongle on your car and you can get better rates. Well, that's not always the case. And when Progressive first came out with with their um, dongle, they actually just collected the data for a while. didn't affect your rate. They actually gave you a discount for having it on there, but that what they were doing is they were trading that discount for the data. They were taking the data. Correct. And, and trying then, to figure out what to do with it. Yeah. And then years later, they actually said, now this data is going to affect rate. Mm-hmm. And you know, then you put this tracking and your rate goes up. Hmm. That's a, that's a recipe for disaster. And a lot of times the factors are not drive too fast, um, you, you know, drive too fast, break too quickly. Those are those are actually somewhat minimal factors in that because um, they have to discount like speeding a little bit because if you know everybody's doing seventy five and the speed limit's seventy, it's almost safer to do seventy five with everybody else. Right. And also braking, you know, emergency braking. Someone pulled in front of you, you emergency brake doesn't happen all the time, but whatever. Um, whatever the aspect is, that's controllable, but it doesn't control the areas that you drive in, what times a day you drive in, um, you know, all those factors that really you don't have control. You can't control the fact that you have to go to your office from, and it, your office might be in a high congestion area. You can't fix that. Right. So then consumers are like going, well, I'm going to run away from this because I can't control that factor. Yeah. They actually have a stat in here that customers with stable rates are 57% less likely to shop than those who experience variability. Exactly to your point. Yeah. Right. 
So if if my my the rate on my auto insurance is dependent only on market factors because I don't have UBI, I'm more likely to stick with that carrier. Correct. So, yes. And they say the lesson is that carriers need to step up their level of sophistication when it comes to improving loyalty. That the combination of incomplete metrics, poor understanding of the drivers of, cons- of customer behavior, and resulting poor strategies, many carriers have accelerated the trend of consumers twist, uh, switching. Yeah. And, and can I see that? Because I saw that before you were – oh, no, 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 no. You can keep that page. I was, looking, page. I was looking for graphs. I like pretty graphs. Yes. All right, so 2004, it was listed at uh, 57%, 56%, and really 2017 to 2018, it's more – first of all, this is a steep – Steep drop. It's a steep drop. Yeah. And the trend line is probably a good 25-degree down angle. So I mean, you're you know by 2022, 2023, your brand loyalty is going to gone from gone from you know mid mid to high 50s down to below 40. Right. And I bet you that this accelerates quicker once that is. It's almost like a once once the momentum is gone mm-hmm. and everybody has now realized this, it's going to be a all the way. Yeah. So the I want to mention this this quote from Warren Buffett that they clu- they included at the end. Uh, they had their annual shareholders meeting for 2019, I guess somewhat recently, because this article was just a couple weeks ago. Um, and he says, it's now a two-horse race between Geico and Progressive to take on State Farm and auto and home insurance. And this is his direct quote. We will see five years from now and 10 years from now, which one of us passes State Farm first? Right. So will carriers be able to to m- improve and not make this happen? Or is or is he going to be right? Oh, man. Yeah, I Okay. Hey, State Farm, if you need a CEO, let me know. I'll, I'll help. <laughs> so That's a challenge. Yeah, the, ba- the basic call to action, carriers need to stop blindly chasing cost op- optimization and start actually delivering strategies that positive, positively impact customer experience. And that's one thing I'll give Progressive. I don't know specifically about Geico, but they really use statistics to understand their market and yes. everything in that going. Yeah, so it's not just it's not just advertising and it's not just getting people to know about your brand. You, you're going to have to do more as yep. a carrier. What do you think, listeners? Um, hit us up on Twitter. I am Becky L. Schroeder. Laird's L. Ricksford. Tweet using the hashtag insurancehappyhour. You can also use the hashtag on LinkedIn yeah. if you don't like Twitter. No, no, no fun hashtags today. Aww. I'm out. I'm I'm hashtagged out. <laughs> we haven't done that at all this season. I don't think. What the fun hashtag? Ah, yeah, last week. Slacker. Well, last. Oh, yeah, we did do one for Lecter Slacker last week. I forgot about that. All right. Um, well, no. And subscribe if you have not already. You got to include the links. I will, I will put the links um, to the articles in the show notes for sure. You can find those at insurancehappyhour.com. Poised. Insurtex poised. Poised is such a weird word. Mm. The way my mind works, yes. All right. Well, uh, it's been a fun episode. And, and uh, as always, thanks for listening.
You about ready? Yeah. All right. So say something. Something. You uh, you want to open or me? I can open if you want. All right. Well. Oh, wait. I did last time you opened this time. Oh, you're so gracious. Welcome back to Insurance Happy Hour. This is Laird. And I'm Becky. How are you, Becky? I'm good. Good. We're recording another episode, so we're not slackers like we Yay! were last week. Look at us, two in a row. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And uh, I think we'll have a pretty good November, so I feel good. Let's move. Let's do this. Awesome. Yeah. Well, How- I mean, you're taking time off, so... <laughs> no, I don't think I'm going to be able to do as much, mm. so... Uh, we'll squeeze it in somewhere. <laughs> I can't believe that girl said that to me. <laughs> like, there was also a point where I just kind of blinked and I was like, did I hear that? Is this happening? Is this happening? <laughs> Is this real life? <laughs> All right. 